0: Hey everyone,
1: and welcome back to another episode of The to Games. Oh my god, my email chose that moment to ding. Sorry.
0: <laughs> I'm Sam, and my pronouns are she, her.
1: And I'm Alex, and my pronouns are she, her, and we're really getting through this week. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Barely. Barely. <sighs> so, we are so excited because we have a lovely guest that we're going to show you. And we're doing something that. We don't normally do, but we're letting you in on the inner workings of our Patreon. And so we're going to have one of our Patreon guests um, that you can see today, which we're very excited about.
1: Yeah. And we um, really loved this episode with Abby when we filmed it with them. Um, Back when did we post this? May? Yeah. And Abby tells us a little bit about her and Dana's book that they're writing. Um, They're from Sometimes We Read on Instagram. The book sounds phenomenal. Maybe we've got a little bit of a sneak peek already. Um, And I just think most of our listeners will really vibe with the book. So we want everyone to listen to it. We also talk a little bit about religion and just general gay things. So, you know, it's a great (laughs) episode um so yeah you all will get to listen to it patreon got to listen to it months ago we have actually we're recording with abby's partner dana this weekend for our patreon episode for this month so you can get both perspectives from their book writing process
0: yes and please don't forget that um you can access these patreon only episodes if you sign up for a patreon and we have three slots that you can sign up under one being two dollars mm-hmm. and um the other five and then ten.
1: Oh, I almost got our last one wrong <laughs> I was like
0: seven eight ten no ten um and so we really appreciate it we um love making content for you guys and you know
1: Yeah, we have great, um, stickers and bookmarks if you sign up and also, um, what was I going to say? we're only, we're only like eight away from tote bags. And if you sign up on our Juliet level, which is our highest level, you get to be a patron only guest, which occasionally means sometimes you get to appear on our regular episodes because we like some of those episodes so much, um, and all the $10 level, people get a free tote bag once we make them.
0: Yes. But we're not
1: doing it until we get a 50 patrons. so. Joke's on y'all.
0: Joke's on y'all. Really, it's on
1: us. So, sign
0: up. Okay, Alex, what's giving you life this week?
1: Oh! Um, you know... Can I say something sneaky? Like, I can't really admit it, but...
0: Yes, you can say something sneaky. You already
1: know. I've had a really rough few weeks, and I'm finishing up school, and, you know, we had like a, a little tiny hurricane blow through, so I feel like the stress level has been high. I was feeling like really blah about everything, and then this morning, Sam and I got a really exciting email...
0: Yeah, we did.
1: That made me really excited again. It's um, about an author, and that's all we're going to say, because we want to make sure it's 100% locked down, and then we're going to surprise everyone, but we are so excited, and it made me excited again about yes. book stuff. <laughs>
0: For sure. I definitely feel that. I feel like we're in that weird, like, thing, you know? Yeah. Like- blah like right it's always I feel like it's always in between seasons
1: mm-hmm.
0: that it's like this
1: yeah I feel like you and I have like opposite summer vibes I was someone was posting the other day about how like a lot of people think like seasonal depression and like seasonal affective disorder are like for winter blues months but I feel like summer always gets me down for some reason and I feel like in my, I wonder if it's like in my mind, summer was always like, oh, you're not, you're not supposed to do anything. You're supposed to like be having fun. You know, when we're kids, we have summer yeah. off. And then now I'm just like, it's sunny. I want to go places. And then everything like, suck in the summer. Whereas <laughs> like Sam lives her best life. But then in August when like everyone's getting re- like invigorated <laughs> for fall and holidays, Sam's like, you know, in me mode in June and August because you have to go back to work.
0: And I definitely become a hermit. Like I tell everyone I'm a terrible friend, I'm a terrible girlfriend, I'm a terrible everything because like I don't want to do anything all of August. Like, but that's gonna change. Yeah, you have, have a week
1: hermit. long. Oh yeah, <laughs> week long vacation, right? in the middle of your uh, going school. back to, to school.
0: Oh God. Dear God. Um, but it's gonna be fine. We're gonna be fine.
1: It's going to be fun. It's going to be so much energy. It's funny because I think many of us are introverts and this is a week-long trip that we have planned.
0: Yes. And it is going to be so interesting um, because all of y'all are introverts and then you have me.
1: (laughs) I I feel like I'm pretty extroverted on vacation because I'm like, in vacation mode, like at home, I want to stay home, but in vacation, I'm like, I'm never coming or I'm not never coming back, but I won't be here for a while. I don't get to see these people. Like I want to like do shit, be out, like on the go, stay up late. Whereas normally I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. It's eight Oh one. I have to go to bed.
0: And see, I love it, but like, I definitely hit a peak. Like about, and it's so funny because I used to go with a friend um, every summer, we would do a road trip somewhere and she knew that between three and about 4.30, that was like my, my downhill peak mm-hmm. and you just had to make sure either I had coffee or I had like somewhere to just like vibe by myself, whether it was like reading a book or you know taking a nap and then after that i was ready to go like let's go
1: that's good to know i told autumn our um hi autumn i told autumn about our uh train plan and the time and i was like so we either need to like sleep on the train or take a bunch of shots get really shitty at the wedding and just be drunk on a train for two and a half hours and she's like either plan i'm good with
0: of course
1: she is and i'm like i haven't seen 2 a.m in a long time but and that's 2 a.m at penn station we still got to get to brooklyn so
0: oh god um but the one thing that bother that like worries me is us carrying these huge ass luggage
1: yeah yeah i mean mine look i think you should get one that wheels on all wheels so you can just kind of roll it next to you
0: I am. I'm going to. I haven't decided, like, how I'm gonna do it, but, like, I am. Because I have a carry-on, and I keep looking at it, but I feel like I'm gonna want so many options Mm -hmm. because, like, we're gonna want to do all the things.
2: Yeah,
1: I'm a shitty packer normally, and I feel like we are so, like sort of fly by the seat of your pants for this trip that I don't know what we're doing every day. And it's so freaking hot that I'm like, I need to have, need to have at least like four outfits a day because I'm sure we'll have to change out of our sweaty, dripping clothes.
0: Well, and that, and also like we're doing so many, I don't want to say weird things, but like we're going to the beach one day. We're going to do brunch one day. We're going bookstore shopping one day. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm going to Ashley
1: Gavin's yeah, um, you gotta plan a night. Out. We we need a night out outfit. I want like a um an outfit I can eat sixteen hundred meals in in the span of a few hours. So I need some stretchy pants. Um, that's called my
0: overalls. Thank you. That is what I'm wearing.
1: Smart. Okay, what's giving you life? We got really um, sidetracked there. We
0: did. Okay, so funny story. Um, a few weeks ago, I had a Bookstagrammer reach out and say, hey, like, I moved to Gainesville, I would really love to, like, do a Gainesville meetup, and then I knew of someone else that's maybe not a part of Bookstagram, but, like, kind of, like, is in the corners of Bookstagram, and I invited her, and then, like, we found someone else, and we kind of met up for wine last week and just kind of, like, met each other. It was so fun, mm-hmm. and then to this Thursday, we're going to like one of my favorite restaurants in the world, and we're just gonna get really like lit and share books. Uh oh!
1: This Thursday?
0: This wait, what's this Thursday?
1: That's when we record.
0: Yeah, like at night we record. Oh, you're night. going
1: during the day. You're going during the day.
0: What time are we at?
1: At <laughs> 8, 8, 8 p.m. Oh. Okay. <laughs> oh no. Well, I'll figure it out. What time are you, are you going? Seven. Okay. All right. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Welcome <laughs> to our schedules. This is how this podcast runs. One or both of us forget something and then the other one is like, wait, and then the rest of us are like, okay. <laughs> I'm
0: fine. Okay. Anyways. Yes. All right. So Before we let you guys listen to Abby, who is absolutely fantastic, um, what was your last, current, and next read?
1: Okay, so I had this whole plan of this TBR that I was going to uh, follow very diligently. And I decided I was in a thriller mood, like, two weeks ago. So I went to the library and got, like... Two of Riley Sager's, like, back backlist back books that I hadn't read yet.
0: Which ones?
1: Lock lock, Every Door and, like, yeah. the, the house one. I got it. Home Before Dark. Home Before Dark, yeah. I liked that one better. Um, so I read those, and they're, like, so fast because it's not like they're anything, like, phenomenal. But you can read them in, like, a day, a day and a half. Um, so I just finished both of those. And... Currently, I'm picking up The Death of Vivek Og because that's also a library book. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, I know. Sam uh, told me to read it. So that's due like next week. So I'm going to read that. And then after that, I'm going to start The Charm Offensive by Allison. Cochran. Cochran. Cotron. Yeah, I think
0: Coach.
1: I don't know. We'll figure that out. <laughs> we'll figure that out later, too.
0: Um, I loved both of those books. The Charm Offensive is so good. Um, I can't stop screaming about it. I have, like, slid into Anna's sweets and stories and cannot stop screaming at her about it. And I'm pretty sure that she is ready to kill me
1: because I'm just <laughs> like, ah!
0: And she's like, okay.
1: okay. I get that.
0: Um, but yeah, that's really good. I think my... Last read was *The Charm Offensive*. Mm-hmm. My current read is *Summer Suns*
1: mm-hmm.
0: by Lee Mondello.
1: I. You really liked *The Charm Offensive* too, right?
0: I really loved it. Um, that's what I was screaming in Anna's stories about. Oh, <laughs> funny. And then I think my next one is going. I really, really, really want to read *The River Has Teeth*.
1: I think you can fly through that.
0: Yeah. But I really, really, really need to read Sisters of War because we're going to be recording with it.
1: In September.
0: (laughs) Um, Dina, August is going to be the death of me. It's going to be fine. We're going to be fine.
1: When are we recording? I didn't write. Oh, mm, when are we doing that? I should uh, circle back to that and double check.
0: Okay, (laughs) All right. Well, this has been such a lovely experience. I cannot <laughs> wait for you guys to hear this with Abby. We love them so, so much.
1: Yes. Abby is phenomenal and very funny. Yes. And very sweet. And
0: so incredibly like smart. So and
1: smart. will absolutely burn your house down.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like
1: what kind of friend, what more, what more do you need in a friend? What words am I searching for there?
0: We do not know. Blah
1: blah blah blah. Um <laughs> this is a mess. <laughs> All right.
0: Cheers, queers. Cheers, queers. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Books again.
1: Woo. There we go. And I did the woo better.
0: <laughs> there we go. I'm Sam and my pronouns are she, her.
1: Um, I'm Alex, my pronouns are she, her. And we have a special guest for our Patreon episode this month. Special guest. Can you introduce yourself, your pronouns, where you are in our LGBTQ plus family, and how we can find you on the internet. You have okay. to remember all of that.
2: Yes, I will do my best on my alcohol fueled brain. <laughs> uh, so my name is Abby. My pronouns are she, they. You, I identify as lesbian or gay or queer or basically just I don't like men. Um, and then you can find us at <laughs> on Instagram at Sometimes We Read. I'm
1: still laughing about the I don't like men part. Relatable.
2: <laughs> I mean it's it's right. I mean it's not a lie. So hey,
1: it's almost Lesbian Visibility Day. I know. Are y'all, like, gonna do something? Host. Fellow lesbians? <laughs> not fellow. Go I'm not down 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 part of this, but... Are you gonna go dance to Pound
0: Town for
2: Lesbian Visibility Day? Oh, my God. <laughs> I think that considering the fact that if I, I would be going down to Pound Town on my bisexual girlfriend... I think, I think maybe it should be the opposite. Downtown has
1: to be reversed. You get yeah. to be a pillow princess on Lesbian Visibility Day or every day, whatever works for you.
2: Wait, Dana <laughs> says I'm always a pillow princess, which is only 40% true. Oh. So,
1: Dana in the background.
2: Oh. Mm. <laughs> she literally was really like staring at her puzzle and poked her head up and was like, Excuse me? <laughs> Excuse Corrected. me. Tell
1: the yeah. truth on this recording of an <laughs> yeah. episode. <laughs> yeah. You gotta you gotta tell the truth on the internet. So Sam, are you gonna do something?
0: I didn't even know that we had a day. So it's very exciting. What it's it? soon,
2: right?
1: It's like tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow it's tomorrow. Grizzly, it's tomorrow. Oh shit. I feel like I should make a different post for tomorrow then. That's all right. Every day is Lesbian Visibility Day.
0: I might like go take one right now in my like Hawaiian shirt and my boobs. Yeah.
1: yeah, hold some books. Like make yourself a bookstagram again.
0: um wait I did I've posted about books for the past two posts
1: yeah I know I'm just teasing you
0: be nice to me it was one
1: second of teasing (laughs) we're not even we're not even like to the halfway mark of this episode (laughs) good luck Sam good luck
0: thank you thank you nice to me (laughs) I'll burn your house down um okay you
2: You don't know where I live Okay, Alex. So yeah. Dana and I have a gift for the books to gaze that I have right next to me. We okay. have a little button. Arson. It's what an arson it? button. <laughs> for Sam Chattons to burn their house down. every time,
1: arson. No.
2: Yeah. That way we can
1: keep track of her crimes.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we got it. We got it when I was talking about it like months and months and months ago and I just forgot to send it. That's amazing. Oh, love God. that so much.
0: Yeah,
1: Dana was like- how feel to man. have a
2: button? Yeah.
0: um, She's going to push it all the time.
1: All the time. I will, right. yeah. I'm going to have to point at you,
2: Abby, to push said button. One. I've got it right next to my muffin and my alcohol. Right next to my muffin and my alcohol. What a lineup. Right, yeah. Sum me up in one sentence. Go.
0: <laughs> I love it so much. Okay, first
2: off, Abby. Yes. Are you ready? I'm ready. What's giving you life this week? I prepared my answers ahead of time. Yeah. So number one is finishing Shadow and Bone because usually like when I see something that is really well-crafted, it just inspires me to write and to do stuff. So I like, we finished it and I was immediately like looking at Dana and I was like, you know what we're going to do right now? like We're going to write, we're going to write for a long time. We did, (laughs) which is more than what we usually do on the weekends because usually we like switch off with word count. So we're not overwhelmed with trying to get, you know, 4,000 words done in a week. Um, so with which working like 45 and like 60 hours a week, it is not easy. So, um, usually we take the weekends off, but I was like, hi, that's not what we're going to do today. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. Um, and then another thing that's giving me life is, so I'm a nanny. And there are different nanny groups on Facebook. And I recently left my job and started a new one because, like, um, so I was let go, but it was also very much like a mutual thing. Right. Um, so because the job was just, it was getting to be so much, and they wanted more than what I was willing to offer because they also like they wanted me to be a nanny and they had a newborn baby in addition to two kids, one who has a bunch of learning differences. Excuse me. Um, so They also wanted me to be a household manager and basically like keep the house organized and everything in line. Um, And it was just a lot and I am not an organized person. So I was like, well, I'm gonna give it my best which was not enough. (laughs) So they have a new nanny and I'm sure she's wonderful but I happened to stumble across one of her posts on one of the Facebook groups, just randomly. And she is like already feeling the effects of like working in like the super busy household. And like, she's like, this is a lot like, and just the th- same things that I was fed up with, she's fed up with. And, and I'm, I'm like, like yes, week. yeah. So I was like, this is amazing because it really like validated me that it wasn't just that I couldn't do the job. It was that the job was just too much for any one person to do. Yeah. So I immediately stalked her and I almost friended her and I want to be her friend now. So that's it. I love
0: that. Um, there is nothing better than that validation of you're not crazy or you were not X, Y, and Z. Like you were right on target about things because I have a really hard time, especially for myself in like what when things like that happen, blaming myself being like, oh, I wasn't good enough or I wasn't that's
2: a good feeling. Absolutely. Especially because like something like that really, like it could follow me to another nanny job that I have where like, if the position changes again from away from like the nanny focus to more household manager and I'm like, like shit, like I can't do this. I'm not good at it. It's like, no, no, Mm no. It's just that this is something totally different. Like you're not supposed to be good at this and another thing, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's okay. wild that you found her or like a post and you're like, that's that's the person.
2: You know, I was just scrolling Facebook and I'm not on Facebook a ton anymore, but there are a few like ex-cult groups that I'm in. Mm-hmm. Um, so I follow for that. Um, How
1: interesting. Not that you were in a cult, but like that there are groups.
2: Yeah. yeah, because um, it's awful. <laughs> um, so because basically like it's the type of thing where like what, what we were in is very like normal in that it doesn't always fit the definition of, the, of a cult that people think of, but it fits every single other like kind of qualification for a high control group, which is essentially a cult. Um, so it's the type of thing where people just don't have a ton of support. Um, especially after they leave because you're literally kind of like designed not to fit into like a normal society after that so I really like that there is something like that for people because I'm doing pretty well I'd say like I never had an issue with like leaving beliefs behind or you know moral standards that they had and they thought everybody should stick to like I never really had an issue with that but I know a lot of people who do Yes. Um, so I'm sure it's great for people like that to feel validated and how they feel so yeah
0: well,
2: I feel like I did not leave a
0: cult but I would say that I do not practice Christianity you know and we were heavily aw.
1: don't awe this it's <laughs> annoying <laughs>
0: <laughs> um I don't practice Christianity uh, the way that my family I was raised to and there are still things that I catch myself being like, okay, like, is this you or is this guilt you're feeling? Yes. Guilt? You know,
1: like, like. I do the same thing. I'm like, okay, this is just like all your internalized Catholic shame. You got to like break out of that mindset. Right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It is crazy how much just like follows you around if you don't take the time to actually sit down and unpack it all and be like, okay, this is what I want to keep because I did like this aspect of it, mm-hmm. but it has nothing to do with like who I am as a human being who, you know, my worth is like hinged on this, you know, patriarchy thing, you know? So yeah. Yeah. I don't know if
1: y'all like sung in your religions, but do you, did any of you know the Our God is an Awesome God song? Our God. He's an awesome God. Okay. So I, I saw a TikTok that was like, don't talk to me about religious trauma unless you know the words and the dance to this song. And then I was like, oh my God, that was like my favorite church song. If you could have a favorite. And I'm like,
2: oh. So they were so closed off that any like form of like mainstream Christianity type thing was not accepted. Oh. They had their own choir at headquarters. They had their own songbooks. Like you could not listen to gospel music outside of that religion. Yeah. Okay, so,
1: so you don't know about God yeah. being an
2: awesome God. But Dana did immediately start dancing. So I think she knows it maybe secularly somehow. He so. reigns from heaven
1: above, Abby.
2: He, he does, apparently. With wisdom, power, and love.
1: <laughs> I can't stop now. I can't stop. Okay. Um. Okay. So to backtrack, tell us about Um, whatever you can tell us about this book you're writing and like being an author and and how you and the lovely Dana are doing this.
2: Yeah, so, okay. So we're writing a YA fantasy novel. It is very queer. Um, Like literally all of our characters are somehow in the LGBTQ spectrum. Um, Like everybody. Nice, how it should Uh, be. Exactly. Yeah. Um, And it's based, not based off anything really, but it's kind of like if you took Percy Jackson and the Olympians. Oh, hell yes. Find it with Pirates of the Caribbean and put it in like a, like kind of Caribbean based island world. That's what you would get. Pause. I mean, I have some questions. Yeah, One, is there a female pirate? Kind of. Yeah. So it's not necessarily like, sorry, there's <laughs> over there. Um. So she is not a main character. And like for pirates, it's more like how it influenced, like one of our characters is the daughter of pirates. Um. So it's more how it influenced her growing up. And it's like when they get to, so there's this big thing where it also deals with like themes of like recovering from addiction, you know, and depression and grief after losing a loved one. Um, so what basically, our character, um, she goes through a really traumatic event where she ends up um, content warning, maybe, but she ends up overdosing on like the island's drugs. Um, but so it's like she, her parents are there visiting and she leaves after that. Like they take her away. And the group on the island thinks that she's like dead and gone. She doesn't make contact again until she shows up with another guy who's like, I found her floating in wreckage, like, and she's like dead when she shows up. Um, But they put her in the water and she comes back to life. And there are like these abilities that they have due to like a natural element called Edra that runs through each of the islands and gives different islands, different powers. So they all have abilities, but the abilities are starting to dwindle from what they used to be. Um. So she comes back and she has more abilities than what she once had. And it's kind of like she has all of like these scars and it's like piecing together the mystery of what happened to her Um, because she comes back dead. And one of the characters, because it's sapphic also, so one of the characters has like put her in the water because that's like that's Mavis, the character, that's her element um so they're like put her in the water and all of a sudden like she grows kind of like gills you know and she's got like she has like webbing between her hands um and she gets more of that so it's like okay how in the world did this happen and also like where's her crew how did she end up with this random stranger um and then it's kind of also i forgot to comp it to atlantis as well um yeah so it's also like finding it because there's hints of this place where it's like the gods used to used to reside called miramortem and it's finding out miram like finding miramortem you know attempting to like locate what happened to like this long fabled town near this now long fabled island you know so yeah there's a lot of different things happening in it but i'm obsessed with it I'm so excited.
1: It sounds really good. How far along are you in the process?
2: We are about three quarters of the way through our second draft right now. Ooh, how many, how many drafts do people typically do? Um, so it's different for everyone. I predict an average of about six drafts that we'll have. Um, Oh, so yeah, because with each one, we'll edit for something different, like after this one is over. So we had our first draft and it was kind of like, there. there's a writing saying by somebody who said that when you write your first draft, it's basically just putting sand in a sandbox. Your second draft is making that sand into sand castles. So that's kind of what we're doing, informing the story based on how we actually want it, as opposed to being like, okay, we think this is the story, you know? Right. Uh, so, And then after we're done with this one, we'll go ahead and read it through and edit it for different things with each time we edit, like character, setting, world building, um, all of those types of things. And then we'll make it pretty and copy edit it. And then we'll hand it over to sensitivity readers and beta readers. So,
1: wow.
2: Yeah. <laughs> a whole process that I take very seriously.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, if you want to hand it to like a queer podcast, queer book podcast. Done. Everybody in the group chat is getting it, so that's yeah. so fun. Okay, but I'm curious. Like, obviously, there are two of you writing this book. How do you write a book
2: together? So it's Ooh, a, split a POV book. book. There are two POVs. There's Mavis, oh, who's the girl who comes back. Um, To the island. And then there's Essie, who's the girl who's always been on the island. Um, And it's Sapphic, and they're like the main relationship in addition to a um, non POV, I guess, um, because it's all found family as well. Um, So, and then there's also a slow burn relationship between two other characters who are in it. So, yeah. So, Mavis writes, (laughs) Dana writes Essie, and I write Mavis
1: fun I love
2: that
1: do you both like I'm trying to do you put yourselves into these characters or are they completely different from you
2: so they're very so unintentionally so because I kind of like self-insert in fiction kind of drives me nuts um but they're like Mavis is unintentionally similar to me if I had like very limited like boundaries and structure and grew up on a pirate ship (laughs) Um, and Essie is like Dana's dark side because Essie's like a very like I'm gonna say mean Dana's not mean at all but Essie is like a mean bitch of a character that I'm obsessed with because I love mean girls and stories um yeah so she's like very like cold and just doesn't care get the job done um she'll she'll you know take care of anybody who gets in her way um that has like a very fierce heart for her family so yeah dana's like an angel and i'm trying to picture her writing this character
1: who's like cold and it's exceptional, let me tell you. <laughs> I'm here for this. That's so. some talent for you both. Thank you.
0: That's amazing. Okay, so Abby, you I, you fall into our queer, lesbian, gay family. Mm-hmm. What are some books that have really resonated with
2: you? Uh, um, if I could like save one book from a fire, it would be Cantoros. Uh, yes book is like my bible I love it so much um that is like the main one that I am just obsessed with I will recommend it to anybody you know um it is my immediate like if I were to reread one book constantly it would be that one Um, so, and then it's actually, it's tough. Dana and I were talking about this and it's like, so when I left that religious cult type thing and even in it, I had no like shame about my sexuality. I had no internalized homophobia. I had none of that. And it's getting, it's harder and harder to kind of find representation that's so like out and proud, you know? Yeah. So I think like and especially because like I love fantasy so much and there aren't a ton of sapphic fantasy books that I want to read you know so or I read the majority of them that are out there right um so it's kind of tough to figure out specifically ways to see myself I think one of the way one in one book that I can think of right off the top of my head aside from Cantoris is you should see me in a crown but yeah, I love that book. Yeah, that one was so good. I'm I'm not like I loved it and I'll read anything. I'm but I have genres that I'm more picky about than others. And like contemporary fiction is amazing and awesome. And like YA Lit is so great for so many people. Um and for me, it's not my personal favorite, but I think that whose main character is it? Brie? Yeah. Yeah, okay. It's been so long since I read it. But I think like seeing her relationship with her sexuality play out, like there was a little bit of like, there was definitely more, like I'm thinking about her interaction with the other girl, the drummer, um, and some of the cafeteria scenes, you know, that I was like, okay, I don't necessarily see myself here, but like overall, like her relationship with her sexuality was great. Um, That's another one that I can think of off the top of my head.
1: Would you say that there are any characters in the book you're writing that you see yourself in? um because sometimes i wonder with authors who write like queer books are they writing characters that they wish they saw who also they can relate to or are they just writing like queer characters in general
2: yeah so it so i think because we have such a such a diverse cast of people in our story that they're all very very different from each other but they're so they're all people that I would have loved to see growing up you know um and I think a big thing is that it's a sapphic fantasy and that's what I want to put more of into the world um because in publishing it's still very hard to sell sapphic stories yeah yes it is um so yeah I think like I I definitely see myself most in Mavis overall um because Mavis is just this like frenzied little monster of a child who is constantly like clumsy and not not like the YA like protagonist clumsy but like she's like climbing to like the top of the tree because she saw like an apple type thing that she wanted to have you know so she's like flying up there and people are like hi this is reckless and dangerous and stupid and she's like no no no, I'm fine and then she falls to the ground and breaks everything (laughs) so and that's very much the type of person that I am yeah I could see that I could see that yeah did you do you have any books that were
1: inspiration for you as a writer
2: um so i loved crier's war and iron heart um the books are very very different um because it's like automatons in that you know and like android type things yeah um, but I really love, because that one is sapphic, and I really enjoyed seeing that relationship. And it's funny, I liked Crier's War, but I tell people that you have to read Crier's War to get to Ironheart, the sequel, because that one is like five million times better. I love that one, would frame it on my wall. Um, so yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything else.
1: I've had Crier's War on my shelf for an obscenely long time, and I have not read it yet.
2: It is so good. I highly, highly recommend it. Um, Dana's telling me another book right now. <laughs>
1: Special guest, Dana.
2: Right, yeah, really. do did you speak up, Dana? Um, you, you were speaking earlier about how on our last draft and one For the prose? For the, um, not just
0: the prose, but you said the <laughs> triangle aspect of it, how you said there's a triangle with writing. Yes.
2: The, Thank you. That's right. So there's something that I've seen a lot online when it comes to writing, and it talks about how a lot of writers and authors, they have two sides of a triangle. And in a triangle, there's world building, there's setting, and then there's characters. And you can have great world building and great characters. You can have great world building, great setting, or, you know, great. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it's tough to have all three and for me six of crows has all three i would agree with that for sure yeah Yeah. so that's definitely something that i want to read because there's also like a piece of advice that we had got was to have like a pre-writing ritual where you read a book for 10 minutes before that has a writing style that you want to emulate Uh, so that way you can kind of you know it kind of will influence your work obviously without taking from it you know right so I'm like, when we go through for like our last draft where we pretty everything up, um, I want to do that as my pre-writing ritual. So that way I can get in the right headspace for it. So I would say, yeah, Ironheart and Crier to War and Six of Crows probably. Those are some good ones.
1: I had a question and now I forgot it. It, it felt important, but um, <laughs> everything I think feels important. Um, okay oh Oh, you go
0: okay um listening to you talk obviously this book seems like it encompasses a lot of themes and a lot of identities but what is one who is one person and it doesn't have to be necessarily a person but like who, who do you think that your book, that the message is for the most?
2: Does that make sense? Like Like the intended audience? Yeah. Yeah. I think the intended audience, and it goes to, it goes to a lot of the themes that I see for this book is go to any effort that you can to find your freedom, to find out who you are to you know adventure and to have fun and learn like you know like okay yes you know like our character Essie deals with a lot like she was she was in an accident on the island she's very like as brazen as she is she's very scared to leave the island right um yeah whereas Mavis is our grand adventurer who was born and raised on a pirate ship so she's never had any kind of stability So both of them are searching for those things that i think you know ultimately like i have found but i was also very much searching for as a teenager because it is ya and like you know obviously as a 26 year old person like i read ya you know but i would like to find the teenagers who need it the most yeah yeah i like that i wrote it down oh nice titled it abby
1: <laughs> um Okay, I want to know. We got some books that you love. Um, what are some books
2: that you don't love? Spicy take, fill the tea. Okay, we got we got a hot take coming in. um so is it going to hurt our feelings first? Am I going I <laughs> to okay? I don't, I don't think so I think some people might be mad but I don't think you guys will be so um so I've always had a very hard time separating problematic elements in books um from the books themselves mm-hmm. so I am not really a Sarah J Mass fan
1: oh same. But,
2: yeah like I can't I I'm like I don't approve like and it's funny so I was talking with Dana about this I was saying like before i learned that the aspects were problematic i really liked it it was like this is a really interesting plot you know like it's unique um and then i was like oh 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 okay this is not great oh yikes um so and for me when i learn something is problematic it's just like an immediate light switch like i'm like okay done like i won't i won't yeah. read it. I like it i won't like you know i'm i that's just who i am um so i think it's definitely like if i could choose one kind of book that I don't really enjoy for the problematic aspects it's that I also think that if it were to be written as adult right away it'd be different um because I'm very much like about preserving like youth and I'm like look like it's got a lot of graphic material in it Mm -hmm. and if kids want to read graphic material but they should be able to go to the adult section and pick something out
1: yeah it should be a conscious choice
2: that you're like knowing you're reading something adult exactly yes a hundred percent so yeah and i think like obviously like the problematic aspects of it are still present you know and Mm -hmm. they still would be whether it's adult or not um but yeah and i'm also like i will freely dnf a book so in my head like if i dnf a book i didn't read it and i'm like no i'm done like (laughs) it's gone you know Yep. yeah I think also like I didn't love Ace of Shades just for the pacing of it and the characters kind of felt is that the um V E Schwab nope. uh, No, um it is Amanda Foodie. Oh, I've never heard of this. I, whatever, whatever their name is. Um yes. So and it's like it could be a case of like right book, wrong time. Um yeah. I also like, and I don't know if it comes from my writing or just reading a lot more than I used to. I'm also becoming very picky with the books I read Mm -hmm. oh Oh, no Um, there she is um but and I'm willing to step outside of genres but I need like I need humor in my books yeah um you know all of the fantasy books can be so serious with characters who just have like you know they're straight laced and they're just focused on the goal and I'm like that's not that doesn't reflect real people at all yeah Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, there's yeah. still humor even if it's like even if you're like going through a really tough time, I feel like humanity, like you still will like throw in nothing yeah. like so serious all the time. I would agree. Yeah. I felt, I read Sarah yeah. J Mass back in my like pre-bookstagram not pre-bookstagram days, my beginning bookstagram days before I realized gay books existed and I was like this is like, it's very readable but it's like aggressively straight white sis and I'm yeah. like I just don't care. And now that I know like other better books exist, I'm like, why would you keep reading that? Because like, there's so much better fantasy out there.
2: Yes, a 100%. And I think that it's possible for people to enjoy something that is problematic as long as they're calling out the issues with it. Um, you know, so it's like if they're heralding it up as like the end all be all, like this is the greatest book that's ever been written, then, you know, especially people from more marginalized communities, you know, they're going to see that and be like, okay, well, you know, like this person isn't an ally because they're not seeing the issues that lie within it. Right. So I think that's how I felt when I saw a lot of people talking about it without saying the bad things about it. So Yeah,
1: it's like that whole concept. I think TJ Clune just tweeted about it like your favorite authors are are problematic because most humans are, and you can love their books and not and be able to call them out, and that doesn't take away from your love for them. But like, bl- or like, just f- without like, without I don't know, like not being able to critically critique that was like a terrible way to phrase that. <laughs> yeah, I guess. But not being able to like offer criticism of a book just because you love the author in the book series and it means so much to you. Like, you can still critique it, like, my favorite books. I can still be like, I don't know, like, something might not have worked for me, even if, like, it wasn't problematic, but.
0: Well, I will say this. I feel like T.J. Kloon did something so profound that I haven't seen an author do yet. Like, whenever the whole thing with him and Lauren Goss were going down, and La- and they Lauren brought Huff. up. Lauren Huff. Who's Lauren Goss?
1: I don't know someone you know. <laughs> Sorry, Lauren Gross. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sam's friend is listening to it. Like what? <laughs> Excuse me. You don't even know who I am.
0: <laughs> but when it got brought up, he was like, "Yeah, I did wrong," and the real like being a real author is learning from it and and doing something like to continue. Absolutely. And i really appreciated that because i mean how's everyone knows house in the australian sea is probably in my top five but once things started coming out and we you know i took it out of that lens of like oh my gosh this is such a good book and i could really critique it it like i understood you know
1: yeah right and i think sometimes too like authors and i think i think it was katie a shelf, shelf made woman who like pointed out like the like fat phobia comment and like the suicide comment in like yeah those are things like ironically like I didn't notice right. and I don't know that I would have but and then you think about it and you're like oh yeah that sucks but it's also like I'm sure like I say things like that too and I don't think about it and I'm like you would think I would know better because like I literally talk to people about like suicide risk every day but then I'll say like really stupid things like I'm gonna go do this or whatever and then like you have to like wrestle with your own
2: internalized like yeah terrible things yeah the world that we live in and the media that's around us are just so like oftentimes that they're not really paying attention and they're not aware of what they're saying and whether we like kind of you know see it whether it's something we watch you know or something like we listen to like an audiobook or whatever you know it's like it's still sinking into our head,
1: you know? Right. It's become so normalized to make jokes about that. Because you're like, well, I'm just joking. Like, obviously, I don't mean it. And then you don't even realize, like, that's a terrible thing to joke about until someone that points hurt. it out.
2: <laughs> that and hurt. I think that there's a big thing. that There's a big responsibility that authors and creators have to have sensitivity readers, to have people yeah. who can critique, critique your work from the lens of somebody who's been through it or they're experts in it, you know? Yeah. Um, and you have the obligation to actually take what they say and implement it you know and,
1: and be not- open to the to the constructive yeah. feedback
2: yeah i remember um i think it was a deadly education the scalamance novel had gotten into yeah. issues they think a portrayal of you know a character of color and their hair I don't know if if that's you know I think that's what I remember of it mm-hmm. Um, but and they had sensitivity readers but they had written that after they had sensitivity readers you know so it hadn't gotten checked out um you know so it's like it, there's an obligation to have sensitivity readers at every single step of the process right um because it's just like if you're not writing from the from the standpoint of a marginalized group you have an obligation to do them a good to do good you know yes Yes.
1: I hope that becomes more normalized because I think that will help a lot and it might not ever be perfect because I don't know that you can ever find a sensitive sensitivity reader for every single thing like if I mean you can absolutely but you know I hope that that is something that happens regularly and I feel like publishing like they should just build that into the publishing houses like have a department to like sensitivity read check th- because it would save right. them so much time yeah then to deal with the backlash of like an author who gets called out and then they start like going on a rampage scared. on twitter and then you lose money because right. people yep. look at i mean Laura, i mean no but i don't know what's in lauren huff's book but she was just like an asshat on twitter but i feel like like the jay kristoff thing like if he had sensitivity readers then that could have been handled before, but then the critiques came out and he, like, made it, he made it worse for himself. Like, yeah.
0: And then his apology wasn't an
2: apology. There was nowhere where he said, sorry.
1: No, I
2: know. And no, I'm sorry. very picky about that as well. Me um, I, too. I'm always, like, if somebody says, like, I'd like to apologize, that's not an apology. It's stating what they want to do, you know? Mm-hmm. They're not doing
1: it. I'm honestly about to quit my job and just, like, Teach people how to apologize for a living, which is all I really do in counseling, too. And I've noticed it's not even a skill I'm great at. And I've told um, a few people, I think when I did a podcast with Mel, my my favorite thing to say to people when I'm very mad at them is I apologize for my tone, but not my message because I really believe in what I say. But (laughs) Sam's like, that's not a good way. It's not. So I will be
0: the one that apologizes for the podcast. (laughs) (laughs)
1: i don't i only do that to people like i do it to tab all the time because like i don't know i love her we've been together forever i'm allowed to be mean to her occasionally um (laughs) sam's like you be nice to her um i I did it to my old roommate a lot because she used to piss me off and i'd scream and i'm like i apologize for my tone but not my message um
2: be so bad at apologizing i had this friend who drove me nuts and like there's the whole story with the friend uh (laughs) But anyway, um, Sam, it was one of the ones that I sent the message. That I was going to send the message oh, to. Oh, Yes. Um, so you would know about this message had you tuned in at any time during yeah. our Facetime. I'm yeah. so tired
1: all the time, Yeah. It's
2: it's <sighs> very inappropriate for uh, public consumption. But um, but anyway, <laughs> um, I'll send it to you. <laughs> um, nice. but she was saying something, and I think I apologize by saying. I'm sorry that you were hurt by what I said. Like, and I, like that's it. Like that's good. She's like, do you? do Honestly,
1: it's not terrible.
2: It's not awful, but you uh, apologize
1: for her feelings.
2: I'm not sorry for what I said. I'm sorry you got sad. Like,
1: I'm, I'm sorry. sorry you had feelings about it, but like what I said still stands.
2: That was. That, I think that was mine as well. <laughs> okay. Well, oh well.
1: Yeah, I am constantly critiquing apol. And I and again, I usually have to take a moment and then I can like come back to the situation and apologize better. But it's like a true skill. Like apologizing is something you need to learn how to do because so many times, even I've been apologized. Like I'm sorry you feel that way, or I'm sorry that you're. you're and I'm like, no, no, that is not an apology. I delete it and try again. I've honestly, my two guy best friends, one of them a long time ago when we were just friends. I got mad at them because they left like me and Dom out of something. And I like called them out on it. And uh, he was like, oh, I'm sorry you feel that way. And I was like, first of all, that's not an apology. And second of all, you all need to apologize for making me feel this way.
0: <laughs> yeah. And did,
2: did they?
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> I just got over it because I was like, y'all suck.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I saw character points knocked off
1: yeah he now he does it to me like anytime we just like bitch at each other he's like I'm sorry you feel that way and I'm like shut the fuck up
2: <laughs> yeah my mom actually she was the one who taught me that when you apologize like you should not excuse your behavior
1: yes like,
2: you do something do not give reasons why you did it to try to manipulate the other person into forgiving you you know
1: absolutely I love that and I think so much of it too is I've had to apologize for things that I truly don't think I did something wrong in the moment. Like sometimes in our group chat, one, one of my group chats here, someone would be having like a sensitive day and we didn't know. And we like go in on each other a lot. And then they'll come back like a day later and be like, you guys like hurt my feelings. And in my head, I'm like, we do this to each other all the time. So like I have to take a breath and I'm like, it doesn't matter because you hurt their feelings. So you need to apologize whether you think you did something wrong or not.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yep.
1: What were you gonna say, Sam? Were you gonna yell at us for not apologizing?
0: <laughs> My cousin um, is in the Coast Guard, Tiffany. And mm-hmm. shout out to, to anyways, one thing that she one of her like sergeants taught them is when you really want to say like you're sorry, you don't say I'm sorry, you say I apologize. Mm-hmm. Because that like takes it a step further. And it's so funny because anytime, like, any of us hurt each other's feelings and it's, like, a big one, we'll be like, I apologize.
1: (laughs)
2: Or I
1: really apologize.
2: (laughs) Yeah. That's so funny because for me personally, it is so much easier for me to say I apologize than it is I'm sorry. Because, like, I don't know if it's, like, I feel like I can, like... Protect myself with like this big fancy word, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, like actually cutting to the heart of the matter.
1: Apologize almost feels like a step removed. Like, even though they mean the same thing, I feel like I apologize. It's like, I don't say I'm sorry. Right? <laughs> I don't know why, like, sorry as like, I know, that's just how it feels in my brain. Like, sorry feels yeah. like more seriously sorry. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I've. Yeah. What are we looking at?
0: Oh, you can't read it.
1: Oh, no. I just see a timer and I'm like, okay. um, (laughs) No, sorry. I was going to say something.
2: Um, Mm. I told told Dana, I was like, if I ever like do something and I try to apologize by saying I apologize, don't let me get away with it because that's so easier for me to say.
1: And
0: see, I feel like it's the opposite for me. Like, when I say I apologize. You like, do say I, I apologize a lot. I apologize. I, like, really mean it because no. I, I just feel like I learned that from Tiff, and, like, I really try hard to stand by that one, you know?
1: Yeah, I can yeah. hear it in your voice. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds more I- meaningful coming from you because I'd be like, I apologize, whatever. And I will <laughs> burn your house down. Parsing. I'm good at apologies. I just <laughs> <laughs> It weirdly sounds like me.
2: It does. Dana and I doing it at the same time. Oh, okay.
1: So now we know my voice is a combination of both of yours.
2: Yeah. Um, Yeah. I'm also very big in like not forcing apologies with kids. Like, because I don't want to teach them to just give like a standard answer when they've hurt someone. I want them to actually feel it. So what I do with all the kids that I've nannyed for is I teach them to do a check-in um where i say i'm like okay we do a check-in like we say you know um how like what what is it that i make them say (laughs) i'm like
1: y'all gonna say this yeah
2: um i'm like can i like um yeah like i'm sorry like how are you feeling? You know, oh, are you okay? You know, and if they're like, no, you know, it's like, okay, is there anything that I can do to help you feel better? You know, mm-hmm. and if they say like, oh, like, you know, with the last girls, I would they would say, you know, um, I I want to hear an apology, you know, and I'm like, then I get down to their level and I'm like, okay, this is what happened and this is how they're feeling, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's like it requires so much thought, then like so many people so many grown-ups are like, say you're sorry, you know, and kids are like, Oh, I'm sorry. And they just yeah, and to
1: say meaningless. What are you, sorry, you sorry for? for?
2: exactly so and with the last girl that i was with the oldest she's super stubborn so if i were like say you're sorry she'd be like i will die before i say i'm sorry so well sounds
0: like me also i feel like we as adults don't show how to apologize effectively yeah we we screw up we fuck up too to kids all the time
1: and you can apologize to kids for things you do
0: Right. And you like, near that. And it's funny because, like, I love my mom, but my mom is straight up an eight. So, like, she did nothing wrong. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. And there are so many things. My mom's great, but like, there are so many things that I look back on that I would have liked an apology for, you know? Mm-hmm. So, like, in my classroom, I try really hard anytime that there's ever even if it's simple, like, um, my kids did really great on iReady, which is like a, a diagnostic for them. And so I had promised them if they did great that next day, I would bring them breakfast. Well, the next day was Monday. And we all for free- like, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> and I walked in and I was like, listen, I apologize because I said this. And I know that I said this. So tomorrow, like, It will be here. And like, I will, you know, and just teaching them to own up for their actions. Yeah. Because we as adults, we don't always own up for our actions with kids. No. That breeds them not owning up for their actions.
1: Yeah. Adults definitely don't. They definitely feel like they don't have to apologize for things. And so so much of it, I think, is like, and I would fight with my dad about this a lot when I was demanding apologies (laughs) from him. And I'm like, you can say you're sorry for something and it doesn't mean you're admitting you're wrong. Like, apologizing does not mean you're admitting you did anything wrong. I don't care whether you think you did anything wrong or not. Like, just apologize. You hurt someone, apologize. And I think, like, when you are an adult and you look at your children, you're like, well, if I apologize, then they're going to think, like... I'm not in control here and I'm in control. And I'm like, why would you not want to like model and mirror like appropriate emotional responses for your kids? Cause you're going to scream. You're going to lose your cool. You're going to do something wrong or strange or like weird at sometimes. So just like look at your kid and be like, I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry. I yelled and I hurt your feelings and da, I'm sorry you feel well, that way.
0: <laughs> it is, it's very hard. I mean, like I can say that as an adult, like, it's hard to admit that you did something wrong that you messed up yeah that you screwed up
1: i will say though sam you're you're a good apologizer if you if someone like says something or you feel like you did you apologize like immediately you don't even have to like think about it
0: well yeah because i want like i don't ever want people to feel that you Mm -hmm. know Mm-hmm. so i try really hard i feel like i'm a good apologizer and i don't mind apologizing um but I feel like, like
1: you owe me an apology you know
0: what i apologize
1: <laughs> i thought but you were gonna you you looked like you were gonna say something not apologetic. Like you looked like you were gonna <laughs> come at me
2: <laughs> um got hammer again and just started swinging
1: i'm sorry you feel that way alex
0: also just so we're clear alex my we got back from the beach me and my mom and immediately my mom was like we have to decorate your house for Alex she said she's gonna come and I was like she's not coming tomorrow like
1: well I'm your girlfriend so you better have a nice house for me (laughs) oh my gosh no that is so funny yeah yeah, my back still burns really bad
0: I laid out today and yeah I feel bad I'm Um, in the itchy
1: phase that's
0: That's because you did not get people to rub you down
1: well, my, my girlfriend was too busy trying to make her mom believe we're not dating to rub my back. Yeah, <laughs> You? <laughs> Lori, tell your daughter to be a better girlfriend and rub sunscreen on my back.
0: Wow. Yeah. <laughs> this
1: part is your fault.
0: <laughs> my favorite, Abby. I wish you could have saw it. Alex was like, can you put sunscreen on my back? And I was like, sure. And so I'm standing like this far away and I'm like, Shh. <laughs>
1: That's why my back is burned because the wind blew it away.
0: <laughs> off, I to make sure didn't think.
1: <laughs> that was so funny. I love that. Um, okay, well, Abby, thank you so much for joining us for our Patreon episode. But also, you're gonna join us again for an actual episode, and um, Dana too. Dana too. We'll hey,
0: Dana. You shout part.
1: out to Jane, to, to Dana, to Dana.
0: Dana. i'm sorry
1: dana i messed up your name i'm so sorry it's
2: like you were gonna say JG.
1: yeah and now it's just Dana.
2: they have very similar like dana and JG both have very similar minds and also dana wants them to love her Forever. relentlessly Forever. she almost got into a car wreck to hey. text them <laughs> to respond so She's like, wait, JG's texting. I have to respond, and I'm like, maybe I have to respond because you're going forty down a road with people right now.
1: We need to stay alive to be friends with JG. Exactly. exactly.
0: I need to tell you, I always like tease and say JG is not real. Like they're so by the book and so like extremely intelligent. I'm like, are you a robot? Are you <laughs> real? And they're like, shut up.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're gonna beat you
0: <laughs>
1: yeah they're gonna commit arson at you
0: all right well we go, can you let us know where we can find you guys at
2: yeah absolutely so we are on instagram at sometimes we read sometimes we read
1: make sure you follow them because sometimes the handle changes <laughs> and sometimes they read
2: yeah it it does it does change a little i I think we're pretty settled with this one though this one one.
1: i'm here for it
2: regardless too i was like before so we scheduled obviously like weeks before and it was before the name changed too and i was like how am i going to remember our current username to tell them
1: (laughs) (laughs) we got it we got it all right well thank you again abby
2: yeah absolutely cheers cheers cheers